Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. This is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of being a little different from everybody else, and that's okay. It's all just a rainbow of wonderful and talented people, and sometimes monsters. Uh, Sometimes the talented people are the monsters. Anyways, yes, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. Tonight, it's a subject that I've been wanting to do for some time, and so I suggested it to the other gentlemen here, and here we are. It is diversity in your characters in gaming. Now, what I mean by this is let's, and I mean, we all go through it. Oh, I want to play a dwarf. I want to play an elf. Oh, I'm going to play a dragon, depending on, you know, or I want to play an android. This is more along the lines of uh, changes in the character different from yourself that you would experience in real life. Exam- the biggest example would be a man playing a female character or, you know, just something as they would say out of your wheelhouse would be probably the best term I would, I could say for this. So, and, and we've had the type, all of us have had the type of gamer that, and I had one in my original group, uh, sadly one of the three that is, as they say in Babylon five, past the veil. And would always play female characters. And you you have this. Every gaming group has one where they will play just something as far from type as possible. Hopefully tonight we will give tips on how to do this without either, well, being insulting, doing bad stereotypes, and actually playing the character as worthwhile as possible. And you might learn a little something about yourself, you know, if you go and play a character such as this. So, yeah, that that is our topic for this evening. And, of course, we have, you know, the patented Bruce Sheffer outline here. And I, 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 as I said, this is just something I wanted to do for a long time because, let's face it, gaming groups are not just all a bunch of, you know, guys sitting around a table, you know, to all uh, rather, what's the word I'm looking for here? Homogenous? No, here. <laughs> Homogenous, uh, fairly, yeah. Yeah. One, one type of demographic usually. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and, I mean, considering yeah, when they did this, when they did the surveys, they found out that most of the people playing D and D were people from the suburbs, usually white suburbs. Uh, it did make you kind of understand why, you know, there wasn't a lot of representation of uh, other things, and then people got like, you know, but when they started. I think when they started uh, setting a lot of these, not D&D, but, you know, more modern uh, type uh, role-playing games in more urban settings that weren't in, like, say, the suburbs, you know, or more exotic type places that truly were exotic, I think that uh, it, it gained a lot more traction as far as reaching out to a lot of different people. The Of course, the biggest demographic that has you know that we're always trying to increase is the 
the female percentage. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, the hobby has grown in representation by women in the hobby. It's still a male-dominated hobby, but far less than it was even 10 years ago. Yeah, well, I don't want to say the word dominate because as we found out from Jess Hartley, the fact is that women are just the same as guys as far as the characters they play and everything else. There just aren't as many of those right. players because you know they, they're not being attracted to the game for you know, you know reasons that may be just stereotypes themselves. So, oh, no, no. That, and that's, that's one of the reasons bet. we're doing yeah. this. Yeah, By dominated is that it's still a very large percentage of male gamers. But I've said that percentage has gone down. Right. So yeah. in, uh, in uh, um, electronic gaming, you know, uh, women are, are sometimes more than 50%. So I'm just saying is it's uh, tabletop RPGs, you know, really need to uh, do, mo you know, do, do more to, to invite, you know, people who are diverse. Oh no, I I have been in you know, I I've been in groups where until recently my Friday game I was the only well, let me put it this way, cishet male. All female or avfab, which is we're going to be getting to some terminology tonight and stuff that, you know, we will be happy to explain. Afab and amab, affirmed female at birth and affirmed male at birth. Usually those are used when that person designates themselves as non-binary the the whole they them pronoun so my friday night group i was the only well i guess male yeah we had one afab all the rest were women including fur uh just recently i admitted uh my coworker joe moore into the friday group because he okay i'd heard about it and he was playing Baldur's skating one joined my group so i asked all of them because for the longest time I had the moratorium saying I am the token guy because it was, I did it specifically because a lot of my female gamers were just, they've had bad experiences. There were some, some GMs out there and groups, all guys that were, well, just jerks and sexist and just, yeah. So they, you know, and now they're loyal gamers of mine. They enjoy my games and they've told me, Oh no, no. The last group I had before I met you, Trav, no, these guys were just, I didn't stay long. And so bringing Joe in, I had to ask them to be, you know, courteous that would you like another guy in the group? So, yeah, um, this is not so much what we're talking about diversity among the players. It's among the characters and playing against type. Again, for example, if I were to play a female character or if I were to play an African-American character or someone with some type of disability. Whoa. Well, I know, again, I know you didn't okay. mean it like that. Okay. Okay. You okay. Meant... No. Well, no. Let's say like, uh, and we'll use Professor X, Charles Xavier. You know, he, um, legs are paralyzed and all that. How you can play him without it coming off as a stereotype or mean or uh, there's a term ableist. Right. Well, the first and... thing you have to ask yourself in all these situations is why are you playing a character that's different than yourself? Uh. Because arguably, you do the best job of playing a character that was very much like yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I usually do that in my Sunday games because I'm running the game. Oh, GMPC. Okay, it's me. It's close enough. I, you know, it's, you know, avatar type thing. Okay, yeah. Right. So, but, 
So, you know, Jonathan, why would you play a character that's different than yourself? Just to have an ex- have a new experience. Um, now, some people usually, especially newer players, you know, we don't usually see that. But and th- this is where I have uh, some experience of this, not just from a role playing sense, but also from an, an acting sense. Um, sometimes you want to play something that you've never done before just because you want to see what it's like and try something new. Get it, get 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 a different uh, feel in in so to speak. Okay, so you you wouldn't choose a, a a different racial character because of the advantages that you receive by being that, would you? Over a human? Uh, you know, I, that's hard for me to ask because usually when I play, like say in a fantasy setting, I almost always play human. Okay, well, I mean, you know, when D and D first came out, you know, I mean. Uh, you, you sat down, you looked at uh, uh, at your character, and you had, okay, here's human, all right, and he's got, you know, just the basic stats, okay, but then when you looked at the various races, you know, you, you got either a raise or a lower to some stats, uh, and other special abilities. The human basically got nothing, and the, and the, reason, and the reason for that was because all the other classes all the other races were limited how high a level they could go into the respective classes that you chose for them but the human was unlimited okay and so therefore it was kind of a promise you know and also that later on the human could molt could double dual class they could actually take a whole nother class okay but I always felt that paled in comparison to the multi-classing ability of the demi-humans, of the you know the dwarves, the elves, the gnomes, the halflings, you know, or half, uh, yeah, halflings, and uh, you know, so most most character groups that we saw were, you know, a mix of demi-humans, and rarely was there the only reason there'd ever be a human was like, oh, I want to play a paladin, okay. Well, that means you're a human because only humans can be paladins, or only pa- you know, paladin humans. There's no other type, and of course, lawful good. So, you know, it was kind of like you could see these people were like, okay, we're we're choosing this because of what we get out of it. All right, so it's not so much you know you see so your 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 diversity is driven by what you get out of it rather than you trying to be different as a person or uh, embodying a culture or other things like that you know and that's where we started from now that was 40 50 years ago we've come a long way from there but i'm saying is and so today when you say hey i'm going to play a dwarf or i'm going to play a uh, an elf it's like well what you know what kind of elf are you going to play and you know there's there is an expectation that in addition to all the, you know, the the perks you get for being a demi-human, that you also are going to be representing that race correctly, at least within your own understanding of it. You know, assuming that you, it's assumed that you do some basic research into what it is that your character is playing. Right. And tr- try and just portray not just, you know, a set of stats, but, you know, yeah. a culture or... Yeah, the or an ethnicity. Yeah, the the pretty aesthetic elf or the uh, hard drinking, um, grouchy dwarf. Yeah. Or the uh, uh, the the sneaky and or uh, impertinent, uh, uh, you know, halfling 
or I, I never know how to how to, you know do what 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 the culture is supposed to be for for gnomes. Yeah, usually kind of trickster, um, likes to tinker, you know. Yeah, so it's usually what I get from gnomes that you know they're always oh what look at this gem or oh look at this alchemical you know mixture. Yeah, right. I, I think and, and uh, I to am me playing the, a gnome. the characters to me the characters from Willow were were more gnomish to me. Yeah, well, see, this is the thing is that you're 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 trying if you're going for diversity, you want it to be you know I, I hate to use the word real, but you want it to be a diversity that doesn't involve just slu- you know uh, gluing on the stereotypes. So you know, and 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 of course, if you're if your only uh, exposure has been Lord of the Rings, then you've got this enmity between the elves and the dwarves, which is in which was listed in the original uh, D&D, you know, but it's hardly makes sense anymore to do that, especially since D&D really wasn't based upon Lord of the Rings, you know, so except for a couple of, except they had the same characters, but it was actually based more upon the other adventure uh, writings of its time, you know, Conan, um, uh, I can't remember all of them now, but, you know, uh, Morcock, all that kind right. of stuff. I mean, someone made a really good case for saying, no, no, the, the, it was based more upon these other things than on Lord of the Rings. So, uh, anyways, so I'm just saying is that, so, you know, if I think the biggest challenge, you know, when it comes to creating diverse characters is actually making them either recognizable to the to the cult the culture and race they're supposed to be or making them unique to themselves so they're not just you know it's not just you wearing um you know elf face or uh you know i mean something that actually you get a sense that this is a real you know a, a, a or at least a complex character and not just a collection of attributes and special abilities that they got because they were part of a particular race or subgroup. I want that higher deck so I want to play an elf. Yeah, just Absolutely. I want that night vision or mm-hmm. you know the 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 um Yeah. That's I want to know how to swing a battle axe so I want to play a dwarf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I want to swing a battle axe, I uh, I want fourth edition where I get to play a uh um uh, the 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 um, bull type critter. Okay, Minotaur. Sure. I, the Minotaurs. Oh, oh. It was yeah. a playable race. Okay, yeah. It was a base base race in the game. You know, like the Goliaths, which just yeah. vanished in fifth edition. Okay, but you know, you wanted to be that critter wielding a a two handed you know a battle axe. That I mean, it was in all the pictures. You know, you could just take you could just take a picture of it and slap it on your character sheet and say, "This is my guy." <laughs> and if it was a girl, you just put a little rig of flowers on top. Yeah. So, come on. Someone's supposed to say "ouch" about now. <laughs> or no. Well, here's the thing: the the male avatar could have you know the ring of flowers, and it's that whole thing. And he asks you to respect his life choices. That's yeah. absolutely true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Nothing. Yes. Nothing wrong. Yeah. I right. mean, I mean, people are shocked when we say things like, "Yeah, you know, for like a thousand years, men wore dresses." <laughs> like, no, they didn't. Says, yeah, yeah, they did. You know, starting with the toga, 
and going through, you know, most yeah, of, yeah. you know, most of the court dresses and such. You know, look at all the you didn't, have, at, you didn't have yeah, you didn't have people walking through the Roman Forum in jeans and cowboy boots and a and a denim jacket, pal. They, yeah. you know, this was the fashion of the day. And yeah. it wasn't a question of who wore pants because nobody wore pants. Women didn't wear women wore dresses, men wore dresses. Yeah, they were I just, don't think they were styled women, differently. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think women really started wearing pants full time until well Twi- into the twentieth century. Yeah, yeah, because it was considered well, yeah, Western cultures, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it was considered bad. Yeah. And uh, and even and, and like in looking at uh Chinese, they wore pants but they had a dress over top of it. <laughs> so, so Oh yeah, the, the yeah. Which makes a hundred percent sense if you ever have to ride a horse. So Okay, but anyways, like I said, that's that's a really big challenge to play these different races, you know. So that means that the player has to put some effort into it. If you you know you can't you can't just hand wave diversity, you know. It's it, it's uh, if you're not gonna basically it's one of those things where, you know, it's better not to do it, you know, uh, uh, you know, than do it poorly. Yeah. So, uh, and, and, and if you're one of those people that are choosing a race or whatever, because, you know, the game system gives you those bonuses based, it's the bonuses are segregated by race, then you probably need to play a different system. Yeah. One of the things I always liked about the TriTech system and, and, and I could use hero system, uh, probably GURPS is the fact they don't care about those kind of things. You don't get bonuses based upon racial things. Okay, now, if you get into Savage Worlds, they do give certain bonuses, like if you're an android versus some other things, you know, because like the androids, for example, they don't eat or drink, at least, unless you say they do. So it's, it's right there off the bat, you, you, you've got a character that doesn't have to deal with, like, one of the big issues of most player characters, which is having air to breathe, water to drink, and food to eat. <laughs> so... You know, they're like, I'm fine. I'm walking around here on the surface of Jupiter, you know, which is a joke because Jupiter has no surface. But let's say one of Jupiter's moons. <laughs> so let me yeah, go swimming through the surface of Jupiter. Well, yeah. well swim, swim in, <laughs> swim in the, um, oh, uh, swim in the methane, uh, methane rivers of, uh, uh, of, you know, Calypso or something, you know, it's just, uh, or, or stand, you know, basically fly a kite from the, uh, wind blowing from the volcano, the sulfur volcanoes of Io. I mean, yeah, you could do that sort of thing when you're, you know, in, in, in bare skin, so to speak, if you're an Android, but yeah, uh, if you, yeah, if you use, you know, I don't know, suspension bridge cable for your kite wire. Sure. Yeah. Because a lot of these, well, like what, what is the one with uh, Jupiter with the storms where it's like, thousand mile an hour winds on these storms and everything oh flying a kite well it all depends on how thick the atmosphere is because you know i mean uh like mars they have really high speed storms too but the atmosphere is like so low that you know you have to wear a pressure suit to go outside so how how damaging how would you get blown away with a hundred mile an hour wind you know on 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 mars probably not uh you know, and I always think that's not very well represented when they, they do these shows about Mars. But anyways, uh, uh, so I'm just saying is that you, you know, look to your game system first to see whether it supplies the, you know, uh, what I would say is a fair representation of diversity. You know, uh, do you, are you being forced to play a race? Especially if you're being forced to play a race you don't want to play. You know, like... Uh, you, you want to be super strong, but 
you got bad stats, so you feel forced to play a half orc because it gets a plus two on strength in in D and D. See, that's that's not good because you're going to end up being and uh, you end up not enjoying that experience because you know there's a lot of baggage that comes along with half orcs in most cases, and you know it's been and you know it, it's. Unless, of course, you're in one of those games where they just ignore all that stuff, in which, again, we're back to the same situation where we're essentially just playing a, a, a costume. We're not actually playing a character. You know? But, uh, you know, a lot of game systems, you know, uh, uh, are... And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call out Savage Worlds here, is, uh, you know, they have flaws that give you building points toward, uh, you know, toward the things you want. So, you know, there was an old joke saying is, is that the most powerful character in the campaign was a uh, one-legged albino dwarf named Bill. <laughs> okay. You know, because all those, uh, you know, all those bad, and, and, they, and they played it out so many times in the comic Knights of the Dinner Table, where they would be taking all kinds of flaws so much one point, one character took all these flaws and didn't realize that he actually couldn't do anything. It's like you took like a, you know, you, you, you took quivering hand and uh, as in like shaky hand, uh, paraplegic and a bunch of other things. And what are you? I'm a sharpshooter. How does that work? No, the one that always got me and it's from Hero System. So like Champions 3 and all that, the, the old early stuff. Nova Man. Yes, he is able to do a 9,000 D6 killing attack, but he's doing it from the ICU of his local hospital. And because he's in a metropolitan area, he can only do it once. But he's got the 9,000 D6 killing attack, but he's got every ailment known to man. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, Yeah. see, that's, that's not diversity, okay? That's just gaming the system. Now... I'm fully in favor of people who are in hospital beds still being characters because there's a, a, a book, a, a series, a short series. Uh, the first book was called Locked Out, and it's about people that there was this you know, new disease that swept the world, and it was basically the equivalent of a viral form of Lou Gehrig's disease. And every, everybody lost the ability to make to, to control their body consciously. So you still, you didn't die. You still breathed, your heart still pumped, you know, your digestive system still worked, but you couldn't chew your food. You couldn't, you couldn't move your eyes. You know, they were just set in whatever direction. And usually just, you know, uh, uh, you know, and, and there would be problems about blinking, you know, and, and nobody could tell what you wanted or, or, or if you were happy, sad, or anything. You couldn't communicate in any way. So, but in the book, uh, what happens is they just basically put a billion dollars, like what we did with COVID, uh, into the project, and they mapped the human brain to the point where they were able to map it to a computer system and use that to translate into a robot and now people could actually see and hear and move the robot like they were moving their own body. And there was a movie that essentially did the same things. It was called Surrogates, starring With Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Right. And yep. that was essentially the same thing. Okay. I don't. And, and I think I, I think Surrogates came first before the book. So I, I don't know if they might have influenced each other or not. But uh, 
it's definitely, you know, that that's a situation. And, and of course, you know, you, the, the, the silly thing, you know, I mean, the thing was, is that in the book, in the movie, it was better to be the surrogate than it was to be in your own body. Oh yeah. Because you look great. You, you always, you wouldn't age. And then you see these people back at home and they, they've just let themselves go. They look like they haven't showered in two weeks. They no makeup. Well, the people that, yeah, the people that are hooking into the system. Yeah. They don't bother. They don't do any work at all. And most of them are, you know, like a lot of them are one step away from being in a wheelchair or, or a, a hospital room because They've essentially they just lay there to the point where their bodies, you know, uh, have. I don't want to use the word decay. What's the other word? Atrophied. Atrophied. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Jonathan. So yeah, and that was the, that was the big problem. Is they saying this isn't real? I touch society. Yeah, I touch society. your face. I'm not really touching your face. I'm touching the face of this. You feel my hand, but it's not my hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to touch you, which was you know, and uh, the whole point of the the movie was. Uh, but so I'm just saying is that, you know, um, I, and, and they did the same thing with, um, uh, the, the partnerships, um, uh, uh, where, you know, people who had like, you know, these things where they were quadriplegics or worse, you know, they were put into uh, a tube on a spaceship and essentially they controlled the spaceship with their bodies, you know, with all the, the scent, you know, the, the, the uh, connections, you know, and, uh, and they might have drones, but they basically the cameras on the ship were their eyes, and when they spoke, it came out of speakers. They were, you know, they, and they would have their what they called their brawn, which was a person, an actual living person, who could leave the ship and go and do things, you know, and uh, and do any kind of maintenance that it wasn't easy for the ship to do for itself. So, and. And under those circumstances, you know, depending upon the, you may not see any difference between playing that and, and playing a character that is fully abled. So, you know, you got to ask yourself, what, you know, am I doing it just because I want to say, hey, look, I'm a living starship, you know, I'm Moya. Uh, or are you, you know, is it just for the, I don't know, the, 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 the mental, you know, gymnastics of imagining yourself as, as, as having this full body appliance, but you're really just the same character. And sometimes you have advantages. Sometimes those things are stronger. I mean, obviously a ship has guns, <coughs> big guns. So it's like, you know, it's, um, you know, you're, you're, you're suddenly a real powerful dude, you know, uh, in the, uh, uh, in the book series, uh, old man's war, uh, they actually had these things that looked like crabs, but they were actually little tiny ships. And they just had a brain inside, uh, and uh, it, it it actually had they had the ability to like jump through hyperspace to one place or another. And they were they were used primarily uh, to do two things. One was to gather information because they were so small they were hard to detect, and B take bombs over to enemy ships and set them on, and, and and plant them. They were they were like the uh, uh, you know, the frogmen of uh, of World War II that would go fl- swim underwater and and plant bombs under the uh, uh, the water line on on enemy ships and then set a timer and they would detonate and the ships would sink. So and and that guy was, you know, the one time we ran into one like that, he was perfectly happy being like that, and I think it was the reason was because before that he was like, 
he had no arms, no legs. He couldn't do anything, but now he could do stuff. So that's, you know, it's, it's kind of a compensation for that. So, uh, so you got to ask yourself, why, what, what am I really trying to achieve with this diversity? That's my point. I'm, I'm, I've kind of been kind of in a big circle and come back to it. Yeah. Cause it's, if it's just for, you know, like we said, like in the, at the start of this hobby, when it was just for like, you know, statistical gain, min-maxing, munchkinning as, you know, then, you know, it was, at least it was something that could maybe, if, if everyone involved was cooperating and could be used as sort of open up the gates to empathy for other people, at least get you used to thinking like someone not like yourself. Um, and then nowadays, as you say, we've, we've kind of progressed and now we have people who are wanting to play other characters just like I said, because, you know, sometimes you want to try on something new. And I'll even give a little bit of an anecdote. Uh, last year I was, um, or was it, no, two years ago, I was talking with a former coworker who was getting up a D&D game set in the Underdark. And I'm like, ooh, ooh, maybe I'll join. Maybe I'll join as a drow. And because he, he didn't have any, you know, drow in the group. And I was like, but it's, you know, it's a good group. These, these are good along people. So, okay, well, I'll play a, a renegade drow. You know, one who left, you know, the drow society. And now he acts like his, I can't remember the exact term, but like coyote, someone who smuggles refugees out of the Underdark. That, that was the concept. And then I thought about it. It's like, well, in, in fifth edition, uh, in one of the, you know, splat books, one of the expansions they've, they've done for fifth edition, there's, you know, mention of uh, a trade among certain elves called the Blessing of uh, Corallon where they can change gender every long rest. And I'm like, I think I want to ask if I can do that and have a character that can change gender whenever they go to bed, just just, just because. And why would, why would your character choose a particular gender? I had it rationalized that this character would choose to be a male when above ground, um, simply because they were less likely to be messed with because drow were not typically um you know liked in the above you know surface world yeah so if he looked like a big scary male people would leave him alone but if he's in the actual underdark being a female in a you know matriarchal society he would yep he would gain a little bit of a advantage and but i had already had the idea in my head it's like he was born male but he doesn't he he recognizes that he isn't he is a they but so i would so whenever, you know, it was always, I already had it in mind that, you know, whenever he's in male form, he's a he. When they're in female form, no, you refer to me as she. Um, can't you, can you not see that I, I am in a female? I am, I am female. You, you can refer to me as she. I was, I was intentionally going to, to, you know, not, I was intentionally going to play around with the pronouns just to make sure that the players couldn't just refer to the character as a he all the time just because there was a he playing it. Right. Well, that's that's the problem in all games. I have it in my game where I make the mistake as the GMs, but also other characters. It's like, you know, we have two female characters which are fortunately being played by female by female players. So the other the other characters don't have a problem remembering that oh yeah, that's a female character, but in my uh, Fringeworthy game, uh, one of the male players is playing a female character, and people constantly forget that, you know, it's a female. Yeah. And, 
yeah, Jeff slips up now and again with fur in my pulp game. She's playing Big G, 1920s um, African-American male, um, well, pimp from Harlem. And Jeff keeps doing her and him. Oh, yeah, right, sorry. And just, yeah, it, it it's, there's still players that will mess up that forgetting, oh, she's playing a male character. Yeah, so. Which is, to me, on one hand, okay, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a shame. But on the other hand, that also tells me that the player, a lot of times, isn't giving enough, you know, visual clues, you know, verbal clues to the, uh, um, you know, to the other, to the other players. It might be, it might be an indicator that that player is playing the character as their own gender, as opposed to the gender the character is supposed to be. I don't oh, no. think so. Her, her uh, drops the voice and does the vocal mannerism. Remember, I told you she lived mm-hmm. like 15 years in the oh, yeah. inner city of Detroit, so she got <laughs> plenty of uh, you know representation around her from that, and so she she does it. It's yeah, it's, Jeff it's only not does a, it once in a while. He'll it's yeah. like when he's you know tired or whatever, he'll slip up with the pronoun and yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to, to to diagnose that specific situation. Just in general, that's when I've yeah. seen that kind of thing happen. Is is sometimes the you know a person's like I'm playing a female, but then the only way you would know that that character was female was if it was written on the character sheet. They play them as yeah. a. Uh, Every other way. Well, they yeah. they play them as a non-sexed character. It's probably more accurate. Uh, are they? Are maybe. they? Are I, they doing? Seen, are they doing male things with their female I have, character? I have seen them like forget that they were a female. That that they were supposedly a you know a heterosexual female, and they were hitting on the barmaid. Oh, well, there you go. That's, yeah. that is, that is bad. <laughs> the player was forgetting the gender. Yeah, that's bad that's, player. That's when the GMS say, so, excuse me, last I checked, and I'm not seeing this on the sheet here. Yeah. Why must I remind yeah. I mean, you, you that you are them, a female? <laughs> yeah, if you want to play them as homosexual, that's fine, but we need to establish this. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, I, I just think that's bad player behavior. You know, this is... This is what you know, and we we here at Gaming on the Frontier are advocates of deep character playing because you know you, you know we we uh, you know it's, this is one of the reasons we play is to is to play a unique and compelling character, and you know I mean even if even if you just want to get together and kill some orcs, okay, you still should you know be playing a character because that's why it's called role playing. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to beat that that drum too hard, but you know, it's uh but what I'm what I'm saying is is that, you know, it's uh yet this most of the time when you're playing uh, a, a tabletop RPG, it's theater of the mind. You have to you have to give these clues, you know, uh uh putting a if you if you can make a big 6-inch model of your character and stick it in front of you, it'll help everybody a lot, you know. Just a picture of your character, you know, and Little stand, uh, stand up about six years tall because when people are looking around, it's really hard to do that. Of course, if you're playing something other than uh, roll twenty, because again, you don't see the character; you just you see the player's face, and uh, or you see nothing. Uh, and I'm talking about when you do it remotely. So you need something that really helps the other players um, 
conceive of you as the way you want to be conceived of so that they can have authentic reactions to them it, it, and it, play theirs authentically as well. Yeah, it's good because my one friend, the archaeologist, Courtney, she has a split-screen picture of both her Thursday and Friday night characters. The Thursday is a Japanese-American woman named Suki, and Friday in the Hinterland campaign, both of these campaigns are wrapping up, she has a Salem-era witch named Sarah. And the two pictures are definitely different characters. Sarah's got brown hair and a little more angular face. Suki has the female Asian look to her with the epicanthic bowls and da-da-da-da. And so, yeah, we just know, okay, it's the left side of the picture tonight. Oh, eight days from now, it's the right side of the picture. Yeah, because she's in the alternating Thursday and Friday night games. So that's there. If you could put the picture up on, like, your whatever voice over internet protocol device that you use or app, like we use Skype here, there's Discord or Roll20. If you could put a picture of your character up, that would be helpful. That would just just have somebody draw or take stock art or whatever. Um, another Thursday night character. Well, she's playing, let's see, she just turned 40. She's playing a 12-year-old Ukrainian girl who, well, constantly emits radiation. So she found a stock art picture of this dark-haired, round-faced girl and put it there for her Skype icon. So, yeah, if you can do that, if you're doing remote gaming, that's fine. That's very helpful. And just... Yeah, I, I might start asking players. That, yeah, find me a picture of your character. Yeah, just because I don't think a lot of my players are artists where they can draw it up. and be, Yeah, so. Well, there's so much fantasy art out there and, and, and science fiction art. I would, you know. And, of course, you can always go to some of those AI sites and just, you know, you know t I mean, you know, it's, you're, you're not trying to make money off of it. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't know, uh, what, what's the one thing that they have that you can make um, mock-ups of miniatures? Oh, gosh. Z uh, Hero Forge? Is that Bingo! Hero thank Forge, you. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. And they, they'll blow up my Discord every so... Oh, this is what my character looks like. I'm like, where the heck was this 20 years ago when I'm drawing on the on the champion's uh, character sheet outlines for my characters? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my son... Uh, yeah. When we went, uh, when we went to one Gen Con, Richard had badges for all of us as members of TriTech, and all of our character faces were basically <laughs> were like had been Simpsonized. Oh no! Yeah. So oh. here, here's here's a here's a, a picture of Eric. You know, uh, his brown haired, kind of you know, uh, uh, sleepy eyed, but it's only a head because he was like in a jar. It's like oh, one of those heads of the jar that was in the thing. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was Gen Con 2012. Anyways, uh, I was at that one. Yeah, that was my first one. Yeah. Well, then you, pro you, well, you forgot then. Uh, OK, uh, the badge. <laughs> so. So, yeah. OK, so like I said, the, uh, but uh, though we don't want to encourage you to pick characters for um for what you get out of it is set as far as, you know, like extra abilities and such. There are some things that are very nice. I mean, first of all, you know, playing a character who isn't this, you know, isn't a human means, you know, that the other players on the table theoretically are going to have to do some, some mind work. You know, they're going to have to get out of their safe space, you know, and say, Hey, there, what, what is 
uh, a mountain dwarf? And what is a wood elf? And, you know, what is a similar, I can't even pronounce it now, the, uh, the, the rock dwarves, you know? The deep, the deep, the deep gnomes, or whatever they're called. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the deep gnomes. Oh, the sphere Yeah. See, I couldn't pronounce it. Yeah. What What is that? So you know that that's a good thing. It makes them think. It makes them get out of their their their, their safe spot. Okay. But uh, as long as you don't play them as a stereotype, that's actually very good. But uh, you know you. Uh, uh, but sometimes when you. Uh, uh, and, you know, and so therefore, you can use diversity as a means to gain acceptance or insight, you know, of certain groups. So, by if you're in a campaign that has all these different races, they all have their own homelands, and you suddenly have to go into one of the other, you know, uh, into 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 a racial homeland. Well, having a character in the party that actually is that race means you have, you know, you may have a, a higher level acceptance. You basically have a foot in the door. Because you have somebody who is like them, at least vestige, you know, I mean, superficially. So uh, they might know the language. Nobody else might know that language. Uh, they would be aware of different places inside the homeland because of stories and, and things like that. Uh, people might just trust your group a little bit better because they've got one of their own in the party. Uh, so there's there's like a lot of, you know and and also is it when they when when NPCs behave in what might be confusing ways you got somebody that says well that's because of this and either it's been fed to them by the GM you know or they know it from the cultural background of their character and so that makes the story more interesting because now the uh, NPCs can act in more varied ways. You know, because you have someone to essentially explain why they're doing what they're doing and why it's important, you know, and why you shouldn't say certain words, <laughs> you know. Uh, now, it can go the other way, too, which is, is that, uh, you you know, by going into uh, an, another world, uh, another realm, uh, you may find out that one of your player characters is, their character is, 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 there, is, there's prejudice against that character, that character race. Um, and therefore, you're going to have to deal with that. I mean, you're like, why, you know, they're mean because he's uh, an elf. And, and and why can't we all just get along? And they're all like, you don't know. You know? And, and I, I ran a campaign. It was a first Maze World campaign, and it was an alternate Earth that the Maze World people came into in one of the confluences of the maze where it was civil war era, but humans and dwarves were running things and the elves and the gnomes in this world were in place of the African-American slaves. And it was, well, elves and gnomes use magic and that's why we had to make these manacles that, you know, keep them in place. And it was the civil war, you know, that, that mid to late 19th century antebellum type South, but it was, the elves and gnomes were the ones that were kept in chains and hunted with the dogs. And so, yeah, that was interesting because I decided to put that tailspin on it. And the players were just like, wait a minute, you just, and I said, yeah, that's all I did is I just replaced the African-American slaves with these two races. It's the same. And all because they use magic. Yeah. And they were like, oh, wow. Okay. And it's like, it was a bolt for the blue, uh, bolt from the blue to them. 
they saw that whole era in a different light, seeing just because they used magic, they were the humans and dwarves did. And I forget what it was. I think they just made chains that inhibited their magic. So, yeah. But it gave the players insight on just that whole era. Unfortunately, that very dark era in our history, folks. Yeah, so and and it was just and something for me. We're, we're, still, we're still digging ourselves out of that hole. Yeah, but I mean, it was just something I wanted to do to see how it would fly. And apparently it flew pretty well. Nobody got bent out of shape. Nobody, you know chastised me for doing this type of campaign art because it was like they were on this world for a while and had to oh we got to rescue the elven daughter who you know she has a, a way to you know get her people out of chains and the gnomes out of change and we have to rescue her and yeah, yeah. so no it was one just says you're usurping their culture huh well yeah these were modern day people doing this and just they, it was generally no slavery's bad you know we're just going to stop this here and I'm going, okay, you're not going to be in this world that long. You're helping one person. You're you're lighting the match. You're not taking this up as a crusade. You do have other things you need to do. But it was still just a nice stop, and it did. It, it gave all of them, I'm sure, a different look on that whole time. Right. Well, that's something that I do a lot in Fringeworthy, is, is that they go to worlds and they find out that certain groups are, are being not treated equally with other groups, and they're like, well, that's wrong, and and everyone's, you know, and, and of course the, the uh, oppressed group is like, yeah, that's right, it's wrong. And everyone else is like, what are you talking about? It's always been this way. And so, and they and they look at each other and say, we can't change an entire world. And I say things like what you just said was no, but you can perhaps raise the, you know, the light a match or uh, raise the consciousness of a group of people, and maybe they can carry that change forward if you can if you can make a good enough argument. What was the phrase that, and, and weirdly enough, it would have been his 84th birthday that John Hurt said as the war doctor, great men are forged in fire. It is lesser men's task to light the flame. Yeah, same thing. Okay. They're going to sit there and, <laughs> okay, push along this one person to start that, axiomatic shift in their culture and then they go on their way and hopefully you know this culture right but you've also got to convince them yeah convince them that it's worth the effort to do so you know for the because i mean uh you know in our own world you know i mean 1970s you know uh you know uh, i mean first interracial kiss you know on television you know 1968 yeah with, with star trek you know and but even then, you know, um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't until like the late 70s that, you know, a man and a woman of uh, different races could uh, cohabitate openly, you know, and people go, yeah, their boyfriend and girlfriend is perfectly fine. Now, of course, we're all looking back going, well, yeah, he's a hot dude. Why wouldn't a girl want him? And everyone's like, yeah. you know, And, and it wasn't that long ago when people were like, no, no, this is this is not right. You know, so I'm just saying is that, you know, change can happen really fast, but sometimes it happens after a very, very long time. So um, it's, it's one of those things where uh, I, you know, you, you I hope that the players, you know, engage with those ideas of, of being agents of change. Um, but at the same time is that you, you have to uh, 
what is it? You have to uh, manage their expectations because otherwise, you know, it's uh, it's it, you, they're they they might find that they're it's more effort. It, it it stops being fun. Basically, it starts becoming like real work. You know, like 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 writing. You know, writing sounds fun until you actually do it. You know, trying to change a culture, you know, uh, uh, a major change in the setting of your uh, your campaign world is a, a major thing. Unless, of course, that was the intent of the campaign from the very beginning. So, but if a, if a player goes and takes on that role, uh, then they, they've got to they got to do the work, you know, and they got to realize, you know, and it's up to the GM to give them opportunities. And sometimes that's another thing, which is to... You know, the, you're playing a diverse character. You got to make sure the GM understands uh, how you want that expressed, so that you can have the you know have that thing. Now, I have seen some players to use diversity as a um, to their advantage. Okay, uh, in this for uh, to basically um, uh, create uh, opportunities by uh, gaslighting people. So for, and I know that sounds a little vague. So for example, uh, you're in a world that's like D&D, first edition, uh, half orcs are, uh, are reviled, you know, uh, and you're playing a half orc, but you've also done a really great thing for the king and he's made you a knight. So you now actually have royal authority and so you go into an area where there's some bad guys that you basically want to stir some stuff up and you go in and you, you know, you, you know, you go in and accuse them of, 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 you know, of, you know, fomenting, you know, uh, uh, issues against people of his race. And when, and when, of course, they get all mad at you and they start attacking you, then you use your royal authority to basically condemn them for those actions and, you know, radically change the power structure in that area. You could use it as an excuse, is what I'm saying. You know, yeah. And and we've seen that happen in our in our own world many times, where people have wrapped themselves with victimhood, and they're not really victims, <laughs> but yeah. it is advantageous for them to do so. You know, and uh, and and in some of these very different forms of prejudice, you know, ca calling people out for for behaving this way, you know, uh, is, can be, you know, it could be real and it should be, it should like, like any, um, accusation of rape, it should be checked, it, you know, and not discarded. But at the same time is, is it, it is also possible that someone is gaslighting for their own, for the, the, for their personal gain or the gain of a group that they're representing. And because there is that possibility that actually is a way of representing diversity. Oh, no, there was the whole, oh, gosh, I'm blanking on the name. It was a hashtag. The Me Too movement. Yes, that 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 whole, and no, as I said, we, we fully condone if somebody says that that has happened to them, you take them seriously. You don't brush it off. You don't, no, no, no. You. Yeah. Well, when I first saw it, I thought they were, you know, I thought they were asking people to, you know, come out and say whether or not they that had actually ever happened to them. So I did, and a couple of people said they were 
you know, uh, they were very sorry that that had happened to me. And I said, yeah, me too. You know, but there was an awful lot of other people who said, no, no, this is about women. <laughs> you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to weigh in here. You know, and, and there was, and that's one of the reasons why there was a, a huge pushback because all of a sudden it was, this, this wasn't a, um, uh, a cause celeb for pe all the people that were being had been mistreated. It was only for a select group, and they lost a lot of support as a result. Yeah, it. it there's another. Um, usually, you have uh, what is it? The Transgender Day of Visibility, and basically National Coming Out Day. And I have many. We all three of us have many friends who fall into that whole umbrella of. The, the GBLTIQA, and I have running jokes with my friends in that community. It's like, yeah, cosine scientific notation. They said, why do you say that? It's because you keep changing. You don't, I want to be an ally. I need to be, you know, I'm the ally. I need the info, you know, that type of thing. And so they have this day, and I see it blow up on my social media. People are coming out, or they're reminding, and okay. And then you get people who are, they may be straight, but polyamorous. And they are deciding to reveal that. And it's like, um, no, this is for them. This is this has been reserved for this particular group. Just please, not today. Just you're you're it, it, it's not cool to steal their thunder. A lot of these people, it was very brave of them to do this. They may face repercussion due to this, but they have decided to stand and say, Yes, this is me, this is how I am. And you're kind of stealing their limelight, just I've seen a lot of people just go, please don't do it. Not on this day. Just, yeah, they, they need to have this moment of recognition, if only to, you know, help themselves grow. Right. And their response is, yeah. well, when's my day? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and I think, I think they, sh I think there should be a, a correct answer to that question, you know? Yeah. Because it's, it's uh, you know, because, if, if they're because everybody who basically go, who goes against the norm is placing themselves at risk. Yeah. And so, you know, that's when, when they, they do something that is brave, then it should be, it, it should be acknowledged and I'm celebrated. Yeah. I, yeah and I'm, I'm all in favor of that, you know? So, okay. So I'm just saying is it, but that, um, uh, and, uh, and some, and, and since we are playing fantasy and science fiction games, okay. You should keep in mind the fact that some diversities are actually harmful or lethal to the people or objects nearby the characters. I'm trying to figure. Uh, are you having trouble imagining this? Yeah. Just okay. Yeah, like you, an example might help. Uh, if you're playing a fire elemental. Ah, uh, yes. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm thinking about. Okay. Diversity. Diversity. Oh. Okay. Like. Yeah. I mean, okay. you're, you know, you're playing a different race. That race may be. You know, some a bit of a problem in that regard. You know, uh, you know, you're you're a, a, an intelligent will of the wisp. You come into a bar, everything's fine until some some jerk waves a spear too close to you, <laughs> and suddenly someone's been struck unconscious or even dead. Just you know. Oh. Yeah, that sounds like a, a will-o'-wisp walks into a bar. Yeah, that sounds like beginning of a bad But this, this was actually a big deal in um, uh, in Richard's FTL 4, uh, 2448 game because there were a number of races that were in pressure suits. 
that, yeah, like the Sandral, and I think mm-hmm. there's a couple others. Yes, you yes. poke a hole in one of those suits, and by whatever reason, and it and their natural atmosphere floods out and poisons the people around them, or it reacts violently with the atmosphere that's standard around them. So, and of course, the person inside is not doing any doing real good either. They're losing atmosphere. You know, you got people who are naturally you know, uh, 2,000 degrees, and uh, they may be wearing an insulated suit, uh, but, uh, you know, if you're lucky, they've got that uh, um, uh, puppeteer uh, technology uh, from uh, uh, that uh, the known space series where just they just take all that heat and they compress it down and they put it in this little spot somewhere on the suit. This all... And it's like getting as hot as the sun in there, but everybody else is fine as long as you don't run out of whatever it is, you know? And uh, I'm just saying, is it, you know, so when you decide to do certain things, you know, there may be some real issues. Uh, the uh, If you're playing a werewolf, uh, a lycanthrope, okay, are you, are you affected, you know, are you giving off a musk? Okay, that might affect the people around you, either positive or negative. Do they suddenly get fearful and jittery? Okay, do uh, uh, you know? Is it a a, a a mating attracted? Are you at the wrong time of the of the season for this sort of thing? You know, I mean, if you're playing a diverse character, you may end up with some you know some some issues that need to be uh, addressed or taken care of, and it doesn't mean you shouldn't play those characters. As a matter of fact, I would applaud anybody who really who makes the effort to play those types of characters. Okay, as long as you play them honestly with those pluses and minuses in mind. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. You can listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on DementiaRadio.org. Also, the Professor and I are each now on Twitch. For me, it's twitch.tv slash trav31369, Mondays, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, with campaign notes. The Professor is at twitch.tv slash Professor Pixie. Please check her page for time and date.